Welcome, my friend. You are listening to Read Clean YA with CJ, the podcast for teens and young adults who want to explore exciting worlds, deep themes, and epic stories without the objectionable content. I'm your host, award-winning young adult author, CJ Malacy, and in this episode, we are going to dive into an author interview with my good friend and fellow young adult author, Jamie Foley. Award-winning sci-fi fantasy author Jamie Foley loves strategy games, gardening, and making lembas bread. She's terrified of red wasps and uses them for lightsaber training. When not working as the creative director at Enclave Publishing, the typesetter for the Christian Writers Institute, or a suspicious monarch at Fayette Press, she's probably drawing maps to Care Parvel. Her husband is her manly astronaut preacher muse. They live between the Texas Hill Country and the family cattle ranch, where their hyperactive spawnling and wolf pack roam. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, that author bio is just ridiculous. I was trying to like, okay, we have Lord of the Rings references and Star Wars and all the nerd stuff, everything yes. I grew up on. I love know. it. I don't think it's bad. I think it's fantastic. I love all of the different things that you wove in there. It's so much fun. And also all of the hats you wear, which it's just crazy that you do all of that. And you have these fantastic stories, which I am so excited to talk about today. It is crazy. I don't get much sleep, but thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, I'm excited. So today we're going to talk about your Katrosi Revolution series. And Emberhawk is the first book in this series. It has adventure, romance, magic, all of these incredible things in a world that is rich and nuanced and you just feel like you've entered into it. It's such a great story. So I am excited to dive in. And I would love if you could just tell us a little bit about this series without giving away too many spoilers. Okay, I'll try not to give away spoilers. But this is the first book. It's going to be one of four. I did win an award for the second book in the series, which is very strange to me. I always hate having like the slump book be the number two book. And so I worked really hard on book, as hard as on book two as I did on book one. But the series, is is very unique. It's kind of like a clean version of Game of Thrones and that there's a lot of politics going on, but there's also romance and not everybody has to die, you yes. know. <laughs> but it was inspired by me growing up with some Cherokee heritage and I was just fascinated by learning about the native tribes. So in the book there's a tribal alliance which some of the tri tribes belong to and some do not. One of the characters is trying to figure out how to get all these people to join together to fight against a common enemy despite many differences in culture and some are peaceful, some are not, you know, some are neutral depending on the day. So the idea is what would have happened in the American Revolution if some of the native tribes would have allied with the American settlers to fight off the British, except the Queen of England is a water elemental who thinks she's a goddess. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so it's, it's very wild. It's out there, y'all. But apparently people like it. I don't know. It is so much fun. And Jamie just is really good at downplaying her very cool story. It is such a fun world. It really is. And you just named all these really cool elements. And I love the different tribes and the different like groups that you've created and given nods to. And it's so fun to see it all woven together. 
I had no idea it had that American Revolution kind of backstory in the planning out of the series. That's so wild. Well, I still have a lot more to write. <laughs> I'm working on book three right now. And so the, the revolution part hasn't really super happened until book four. Book one kind of focuses on who would be considered American settler. Her ancestors were from the island that is across the sea, the Sea of Bones. <laughs> so she is kind of like a part of a cattle rancher family, and they're on the border with one of the tribes. And so the question is, are these settlers, how are they going to interact with the tribes? Are they going to ally with their ancestors from across the island? Or do we maybe not like the people from the island because they tax us and they draft our sons and yeah. don't really help us that much? So when she accidentally shoots one of the tribesmen who's a scout in the first chapter, that's when everything kind of blows up. And it is so fun to see it all blow up because the world is cool from the very beginning, but then the things that she gets to explore and see and kind of crossing this line that she's not supposed to cross into this other land and all the things that she experiences there and this guy that she really wants to hate but can't keep hating. It's so it's so much fun. <laughs> I, and as you're describing it and I'm thinking of the American Revolution, I'm like, oh, I can see how that can definitely be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's not that heavy. It's very unique. That was just like the inspiration for the story. But I've heard people say in the reviews that it is very political, but that it doesn't draw from any modern political issues. So it's it wouldn't be like you wouldn't be able to draw any modern things about modern politics because I don't want that. In sure. my yeah. Like we've got enough stress from modern politics in everyday life. Yes. I'd like to escape to another world. Please. Yes, exactly. And this does that so well. And I think the political side of it adds that tension to the story because you kind of don't know what's going to happen next. Who's going to do what? Is there going to be peace? Is there going to be war? And it's just this tumultuous undercurrent through the story. And it adds that layer that keeps you turning the page to find out what happens next. I love a good page turner. So you've definitely accomplished that in the story. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad you think so. It, since it's my own work, it's hard to, I'm very self-deprecating, yes. you know, because I always want to be doing it better and learning more and doing better and better with the next book. And right now I'm so focused on book three. I'm just like, okay, don't say any spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. Yes. <laughs> You have some really cool characters in this story, in this world. Is there one in particular that you really love that you'd say is your favorite? I know we're not supposed to pick favorites, but still kind of feels like fun to do once in a while. Right. So the characters all live in my heart. So maybe it would be a betrayal for me to say that. But I can because... I have one character who is the main character of book two. She's this chiefess lady. And like originally when I concepted this story in like high school, <laughs> I'm way past high school, you guys. But this character, the chiefess, was like a secondary character. And they say you're never supposed to put yourself into a character. Although you can, of course, use your own traits and experiences. But like you're never supposed to like become a character. But it was a secondary or tertiary character in the original, which was just a very small book. And so I totally did that. <laughs> and then when I started writing it as a professional writer, I was like, this can't, this can't be me. I have to remove as much as I can from her, but I still feel a lot like her. So she's very easy for me to write 
and she struggles with a lot of things and lessons that I have learned personally in my life. So I love her. Her name is Brooke, and she's had a lot of bad luck. So she is cursed, but not really. And they call her the Jade Witch because they're like, oh, she, she has this magic that we don't understand, and so we don't like her. And so she has to learn to kind of live while being a leader, but also loving her people, Mm -hmm. even as they reject her a little bit. So that's a lot of fun. But I also can't not mention the other main character in book two, who is Lysander. So he's not, he's not really an elf, but he does have his ears cut that way because he has lost his hearing in a tragic situation that you'll learn about if you read the book. But he learns that Brooke's magic is to be able to hear people's thoughts and to speak into their minds, which is why she's called a witch and she's scary because she can read your thoughts. And Lysander realizes through a situation that I won't reveal that he could learn from her and learn to hear again people's thoughts because he has lost his actual physical hearing. So there's a romance between the two of them, but it kind of is, it kind of isn't. That's book two, and I love both of them because Lysander is, he's close to me because I had a, there was a student that I grew up with who was hard of hearing, and I saw him, the the emotional toll that it took on him not being able to clearly and quickly communicate with others around him, and so I kind of based Lysander off of him. Thankfully, one of our mutual friends is an ASL interpreter, so she helped me a lot in keeping it realistic for this book. I haven't read book two yet. This is on my very high on my next to read list because I loved book one, Ember Hawk. So I'm excited because these characters get introduced in book one, but there's so much more to discover about them and so much is hinted at. And I'm excited to dive into their story, which is an award-winning book. That is so exciting as well. I don't know how that happened. Hey, you know, (laughs) it's because promotion comes from the Lord. And so we just trust that you did the faithful thing and you wrote a great story. And now many people have enjoyed it. It's so good. Well, thank you. I I can't question the Lord. So maybe I'll just stop arguing. There you go. Exactly. There we go. Are there any tropes or things that you think people would love if if they love this kind of story, they would love your series specifically, or this trope is kind of something in the book or something like that? Well, oh my goodness. It's difficult because the the first book very much feels like a YA, yes. right? And it, it all, in its YA in book two as well, but it kind of gets more mature as the characters get more mature and go through more difficult things. So it's not that it's adult in the end, but it's almost like a Harry Potter in that transition, you know, where you start with the characters being younger and it gets darker there on, but there's no wizarding school or anything like that. It just mean like in the trans, the transition of the story. Like I mentioned before, it's, it could feel similar to game of Thrones just because it's very political but there's a strong romantic thread and I'm not killing people willy nilly. There's a Lord of the Rings element to it too. It's like, we have to save the world and there's an adventure with multiple characters. So if you put like a YA romance inside of a Lord of the Rings, that's probably what you get. And I'm sure there are so many people like, yes, that is the book I've been waiting for. So thank you for that little (laughs) description. That's perfect. You're welcome. (laughs) One of the things I love to do with author guests is talk about the deeper theme in the story. So I would love for you to share what's like a theme in your book, maybe that is really close to your heart or something that you're passionate about that got woven into the story accidentally or on purpose. 
Well, it might be a little controversial because I am a religious person. I'm a Christian and I, I love the Lord. And so I'm writing this series and all of my books really for teenage girls or for people who are hurting, who are feeling mm-hmm. like they might be alone or like, especially during COVID, like I wrote Silver Blood during COVID. Oh, wow. And so everyone felt alone, <laughs> you know, yes. even in our trapped in our own little homes. So what I wanted to do was connect to the heart of these readers and give them hope and make them feel like they're not alone because the characters can be experiencing something similar to what they're going through. So when I was a kid, there was no Christian sci-fi or fantasy. (laughs) It was like Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, Frank Peretti and Ted Decker, and maybe Kathy Tyers. And that was like it. It was just not a thing. And so I was not allowed to read anything except those that I had previously mentioned. Yes. (laughs) And so I felt like there was nobody out there like me. There was nobody who loved Jesus and also dragons and lightsabers. You know, I could read some Star Wars stuff too, but you know. So some of the themes that I am trying to also weave into my books is biblical truth because I feel like that is where hope and light abides. And something that has really been under attack in our culture is gender roles. Like what is a man? What is a woman? What are we supposed to do? And are there things that can make us happy? (laughs) Like if we follow certain guidelines, but also someone very strange like me, I'm not your average girl over here. (laughs) Do I belong? Because when I was growing up, you know, I was a serious tomboy, like serious, serious, serious tomboy. And so I was struggling with my own identity even before it was a big cultural issue. And so what I'm trying to do with this series is that like my main character, Kira, who's the rancher girl, she is like a tinkerer, you know, (laughs) and she hasn't gotten married yet because she's got an attitude and boys aren't good enough for her because she's so smart, you know, and she doesn't want to like be stuck in the kitchen cooking all day. And so I'm like, is there a place for her Mm. in, you know, in the biblical view of womanhood? And like my dude, Ryan, he's, he's this also the main character in book one. And he is, he's definitely manly. Okay. But like, he's got a lot of feelings and he really cares for children specifically. Mm. And so is it okay for him to have feelings and still be in the biblical view of manhood with my chiefest character. She's a leader. Is she allowed to Mm. be a leader? Is that okay? You know, but that takes a toll on her and all the stresses that she's going through as a woman at the same time. And then Lysander is a, is an alchemist. So he likes to grow plants and, you know, (laughs) which is not, there's nothing like too feminine about that. Okay. But most of the times I think we associate an herbalist with a grandma or something, right? (laughs) which is like my personal goal. So Anyway, I'm trying to show that we don't have to be set in a cookie cutter mold and that the gender roles can be healthy for us without stuffing a square peg into a round hole. Does that make any sense? Definitely. Yes. And I love what you're doing there because it is so confusing in our culture. And I'm sure for many listeners and readers, this is an issue that they're trying to sort through themselves. And one of the things I love about stories is that it can take an issue and can teach us something subtly and almost just carefully as we dig into it, that we start to grow with the character and learn with the character and experience that transformation that they have through the story of discovering something about themselves that was always true, but maybe they didn't understand or didn't know, like their like biblical roles of men and women and how God made us unique and on purpose for a purpose. And that it doesn't look the same for everybody, but that doesn't mean we don't fit within God's plan. And 
even though maybe that's not all exactly stated, we can walk walk with these characters and watch them come into who they were meant to be and start to understand that truth in a deeper way, which I think is a really powerful truth that in this culture more than ever, we need to know that there is a purpose for men. There is a purpose for women. There's a biblical mandate for that. But also within that, we don't have to have that, like you said, cookie cutter mold, because I think it's so easy to assume, well, if there's a purpose, then that means it has to be a certain way and it has to fit this mold. And that's not true. It's really not like we're all unique. We're all individuals. God made us individually for a purpose to reflect a part of his character that no one else can reflect. And if you weren't the tomboy who loved all of these different things, you wouldn't be who you are today, writing stories and doing all of the incredible things you do. And that would mean the world is missing out on Jamie for each and every individual. Like if we're not walking in who God's made us to be, then the world misses out on all the gifts God would have us use in that specific, weird, quirky, funny, silly, whatever calling we might feel it is, you know? Yeah. And I really feel like I don't have to preach to, to say that. I'll leave that to my husband yeah. who's a preacher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I never want it to appear overt or like I'm mm-hmm. teaching a lesson. Write a good story and it'll tell the lesson itself that without with subliminally without you even realizing it. So I'm never pushing my beliefs in people's faces because that's the beauty of story. That's the power we have as storytellers. Yeah, which I love. And I love that Jesus was so into parables that he did that so often. And people didn't understand all the time what he meant. And he had to explain it to his own closest followers. But yet, I feel like I'm sure several years later, some of those truths in those stories that people didn't get in that moment came home to roost in their minds later. And they were like, oh, that's what that meant. And that was the bigger point of he wasn't just talking about sowing seed, you know, like there was a bigger picture here. And I think that's one of the coolest things about stories is we don't even realize sometimes what they're teaching us, which is why it's so important to be putting in stories that come from a good worldview, a biblical worldview, even if it's not an overtly Christian story, still knowing that the truths within it are pointing us in the right direction. Absolutely. And as someone with a rambunctious daughter, I have learned that just having the guidelines of truth around her and on our lives, our boundaries makes her feel secure, you know? So like in the world that doesn't even believe in truth for the most, most part, even just going into a world in a book where there is truth and there is that definition can speak directly to someone's heart and give them comfort and maybe give them an escape from a bad situation that they're going through. Yes. Yeah. And I think we need that escape sometimes in our difficult seasons of life to be able to jump into the pages of a story and get lost there. Like you said, it's not the politics of today that you deal with in your story because you don't want to be in a story dealing with the politics of today. That's no fun. But it is just a fun, exciting world to enter. And the bonuses as we read stories that are from that strong perspective, that foundation we have with a biblical worldview, they can teach us still, which is so cool. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We'll shift on to a little bit about you, a peek behind the curtain of the author behind these awesome stories. 
Jamie. Oh, so, no. I know. It's, this is fun. This is so that our readers can hear not just about your story, which is fan- fantastic and you should go read. But I think sometimes knowing the author gets me more excited to read the story as well. So we're going to dive okay. into you a little bit. So what started you on your writing journey? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, it's an embarrassing story. Okay. So those are the best. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I have had story within me from the very beginning of my life. In preschool, I won Miss Purdy Miss Purdy's pre-K storyteller award. I have no idea if that was for me telling stories in pre-K or me lying artfully. I don't know, but <laughs> that was my first writing award. Wow. Um, I know. So like I've always had stories in me, but I never had any confidence that I could write them because like I didn't do very super good in English in school. I mean, I did, but like I didn't super enjoy that, you know? Sure. And only much later did I realize that being a writer and being a creative is is about your creativity and your spark and telling the story. And that's why we hire editors to help us with the English thing. (laughs) But I never pursued it for that reason, but I loved it so much that I was blessed enough to have an opportunity to work for Thomas Nelson out of college. And so I was working for a Christian publisher helping to publish and market Christian stories, but they weren't (laughs) sci-fi. They weren't fantasy. They weren't YA. They were, you know, the, the more the mainstream Christian stuff. And I, this is so strange. Okay. I don't, (laughs) this has only happened to me once in my life, but I felt strongly that God was telling me after three years there that I needed to quit and to start writing my own stuff. And I was like, you know what, God, I don't know if you know this, but I work for a Christian publisher and books <laughs> don't make as much money as they used to because people are now watching Netflix and playing video games more than they did in the 90s. And right. also, God, I'm not knowing if you know this, but uh, I happen to know that there's no like publisher publishing Christian sci-fi and fantasy at that time. And so right. I was just like, what was I going to do? And I was the breadwinner in our, in our family at the time. So it's like, what am I going to do? Quit my job to start doing something I've never done before that I have no experience or confidence in to make no money and I guess self-publish. And God kind of like tortured me and beat me over the head with a two by four for six months until I actually obeyed. (laughs) Wow. I know. And then I wrote my first series, the Sentinel trilogy, and I kind of didn't do a very good job because I didn't know what I was doing. And so I wasn't like investing in in it as a career. I wasn't paying for for professional editing. I just kind of like do, 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 and just did it. And then it came out there and then people actually liked it and people were actually giving me good reviews on it. And I was like, oh no, I actually do have maybe talent that God has given me and maybe I should have done it the right way and actually trained. And so I took the whole series down, got professional editing, started going to conferences and rewrote the entire trilogy. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I got new covers and everything and started actually listening. So I'm a very disobedient child and that's, that's how my writing journey got started. That's fascinating. Jamie and I have been friends for about a year now and I did not know this story. So this is fun getting a little (laughs) peek behind the curtain here. It's a little embarrassing. (laughs) I feel like some of the biggest decisions in our life often come with a bit of embarrassing stories, at least my biggest decisions, you know, mean assuming that, of course, I know better than what God is telling me to do in this moment. And I should not be doing that, you know, and then he has to show me how wrong I am. So try to get better at that as I get older. And my recommendation is always to 
follow God's leading, as he calls you. But um. yes, I should have done that. Also, if y'all have seen the the new movie Sound of Freedom that came out, there's a line in that movie that says, when God tells you what to do, you cannot hesitate. And I highly recommend uh, following that advice. (laughs) Yes, that is powerful. And that will definitely bring you to some crazy places in life. But with the Lord, the craziest places are the safest places to be. Now that you have been writing for several years, have you ever been in a really random place and gotten a story idea or just kind of have any of your stories been birthed in unique environments or settings? That happens all the time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this probably, you probably know the answer to this as a writer yourself. But yeah, I get crazy random ideas that pop into my head all the time. And most of them are not worthy of writing, but I could acknowledge that when I see it, something inspiration in nature or in a different book or a different TV show or video game or whatever it is. If I see something that is exciting to me that I really like, I can at least latch onto that idea and write it down later and then have like a list of elements that are exciting to me because as writers, we have to be passionate about our own work. Like I can't just, you know, just crank stuff out just because, you know, it's, it's not like that to me. I have to be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have cannibalized a lot of old story ideas and put them together with other new ideas. And that's kind of what I'm working on with my upcoming series right now. So exciting. Well, once that series is ready to be talked about, we'll have to have you back on so we can chat about that series too. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. But yeah, I my favorite place to write is a balcony somewhere with a great view. And it doesn't matter what the view is. One of my favorite places. <laughs> okay, this is, I'm going to take the conversation in a little bit of a strange way. Okay. Yes. Um, everything's okay. But my town is currently on fire. <laughs> because Oh, I know. I know. Okay. So I live in Bastrop County in Texas, and it was known for the worst wildfire in Texas history. And fires just happen here all the time. So if you go to Bastrop State Park in Texas, you will see tons of trees, like jagged burned trees, fallen over trees, all kinds of problems that have scarred the landscape. But you also Mm. see new growth. And so to me, that's very attractive as a writer because there is a story within the landscape itself of, of disaster and recovery. Um, so any place that I can go that will adventure, you know, and tell what is, what is the story of that landscape? If I can get a balcony, I will absolutely sit there and write probably at like 2 a.m. because that's when everybody else is asleep. I can't write at 2 a.m. I am definitely an early to bed kind of girl, but I love that that is an inspiring time for you. It's the only time when it's quiet, you know, around here. Uh, Yes. Well, it looks like we're running to the end of our time here. One last thing I would love for you to tell readers where they can find you and your book and all the things about you. Oh, okay. Well, my website is jamiefoley.com because I do so many different things. You're going to have to click on my writing or my books tab to actually see my books because I also work for Enclave Publishing and uh, do a bunch of other stuff for like Fayette Press and typesetting and I draw maps and all kinds of ridiculous digital art things. But I'm on Amazon under Jamie Foley and I think my books are generally available wherever books are sold. Wonderful. And I'll have links to everything in the show notes as well. So it's easy for you to grab them if this sounds like a great series for you. And I can guarantee you will love the world building and the story and all of the fun elements within it. So Jamie, thank you for being on Read Clean YA with CJ. It was so fun having you. Thank you so much, CJ. It was great. 
I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jamie Foley. As she said herself, Jamie can be a bit self-deprecating since she's always looking to grow and improve, but the Bible says to let another's lips praise you, so I'm here to tell you that Jamie is an incredible storyteller. If you're looking for an engaging world, fascinating fantasy elements, and relatable characters, then this series is for you. Jamie has also graciously agreed to include a copy of Emberhawk, book one in her series, along with some very fun swag in this month's giveaway. So don't forget to check out the October giveaway for Read Clean YA with CJ and find her book along with some other great young adult books. You can find the episode's show notes at readcleanya.com. Next week, I'll be talking with young adult author Sandra Fernandez-Rhodes, author of the Colliding Line series, When Worlds Collide, Shadows Wrestle Light. This contemporary fantasy duology is fantastic, and I so enjoyed my conversation with Sandra, and I can't wait to share it with you. These books are also really fun fall reads, so I hope you tune in to hear about the stories and discover a new adventure. Thank you so much for listening to Read Clean YA with CJ. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend so they can discover exciting, clean, young adult books too.